we were working. Because we know that God pursues the sick more than the healthy. Think of it this way. Are there any sheep herders in the crowd? I am. Ah, welcome. We are honored you are here. I have a very warm place in my heart for shepherds. Who is tending your flock now? My brother. We're taking turns. How many sheep? One hundred, teacher. Say one of them goes astray. What do you do? I'd go look for it, of course. Of course. But what about the other 99? I'd have to leave them behind. I can't lose the one sheep. Hmm. And if you find it? I'd lay it over my shoulders and bring it home. And I would probably do a little dance. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say to your friends who are worried for you? Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Do you see what he just said there? He rejoices more for one sheep than over the 99 who never went astray. So it is not the will of my father that one of these should perish. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Amen. So we are continuing our message series on the seven I am statements that point to who Jesus is. The world wants us to focus on ourselves. What's in it for me? Because the more consumed we are with ourselves, the more distracted we become from fulfilling our God-given purpose. So in this series, we're going to flip our focus. Instead of focusing on who we are or who we want to become, we're going to focus on who Jesus is. Because once we understand who Jesus is, then we'll better understand who we are and what he desires for us to become. Last week, we explored Jesus' third I am statement, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Shepherds would often construct a sheep pen that was made out of rocks. They'd make the rocks high enough to where the sheep couldn't uh, jump out. And so then what they'd do is they'd leave this narrow opening at the front. And then the shepherd would lay across the narrow opening to guard his sheep. He would literally be the door to the sheep pen. Nothing could get in and nothing could get out without going through him. This is why Jesus says, I am the door to the sheep pen. He is the good shepherd who lays across the entrance to eternal life to protect his sheep. That's you and I from the enemy. And he is the only door to salvation. And we can only enter this door by being born again. That's by putting our complete faith and our complete trust in Jesus. Now, which side of the door that we choose to live on, it matters. It really matters. On one side of the door is an empty life that leads to death. On the other side of the door is an abundant life that leads to God's presence, his provision, and his protection. As the shepherd serves as the door for the sheep, we must serve as the door to our homes to, so that we can protect the sheep in our family. And what we allow in our homes should bring glory to God. It should reflect and glorify righteousness and not reflect or glorify sinfulness. Every time that we allow immorality or any kind of glorification of sin in our homes, we are giving the enemy a foothold. You guys know what a foothold is, right? 
That's like saying, come on, I got your foothold right here. Come on in. That's in effect what's going on when we do that. And the Bible clearly warns us to never give the enemy a foothold. So the main question from last week's message is this. As the shepherd lays across the narrow opening of the sheep pen to keep predators out, will you lay across the threshold of your home to keep evil out? Let's pray. Father, we invite you here. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that you'll leave the 99 to come after that one because of the love that you have for us. I pray today, Jesus, that you'd fill our hearts with you, that you'd show us your truth so that we'll hear it and that we'll believe it and then we'll act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to look at uh, verses 11 through 13 to start off. If you don't have your Bibles with you, we've got Bible here on the bookshelf. You're welcome to borrow. You can follow along up on the screen. Or if you've got your mobile device, you can follow along on your mobile device. You haven't heard me say that before, have you? No. Got to keep it fresh, right? <laughs> All right, so he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus is once again making a very conclusive statement in that he is the good shepherd. He's not one of many. He is the one and only good shepherd. Now that word there, that good, that means real authentic, genuine. The Bible in both the Old and the New Testaments repeatedly uses this analogy of God as our shepherd and the children of God as sheep. To understand what makes Jesus the good shepherd, we first have to understand what makes for a bad shepherd. Because Jesus makes it very clear when he contrasts himself as the good shepherd with the hired hands who are bad shepherds. Hired hands will simply run away. And they'll abandon the sheep when danger approaches. If a wolf were to show up against that, those sheep, those hired hands are going to take off because they're all about themselves. They don't truly care about the sheep. They're more interested in their own self-preservation. They only want to look out for their own self-interests. Now, Ezekiel chapter 34 is a really strong indictment against these kinds of bad or false shepherds. The prophet Ezekiel, he says, they feed themselves instead of feeding the flock. They enjoy all the benefits of having sheep, right? Wool and meat and all those things. They enjoy all of that, but they don't really care about the sheep. They don't strengthen the weak. They don't heal the sick. They don't bandage up the injured. They don't bring back the strays or seek the lost. They don't feed the sheep. They let them starve instead. And then they actually abandon the sheep and leave them as easy prey. Those are bad shepherds. Jesus, on the other hand, he's the complete opposite of all of this. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, and he protects his sheep at all costs. He rescues his sheep. He feeds his sheep. He tends and cares for his sheep. He gives them rest. He bandages up the injured, and he strengthens the weak. You can see all this in Ezekiel chapter 34. Now, before we can fully understand and appreciate Jesus as our shepherd, we first have got to see ourselves as sheep. Sheep are absolutely dependent upon their shepherd. They are virtually defenseless against predators. 
They can't run very fast. They can't run very far. And they need a shepherd to protect them, just like you and I do. Some of you are laughing. You can't run very far either, can you? <laughs> they need a shepherd to protect them. 1 Peter 5.8 warns us that we are to watch out, that we are to be alert. And we are to watch out for that great enemy, for he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for who he can devour. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it warns us to beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless, right, sheep, but they're actually vicious wolves. We need the protection of the good shepherd to survive in this life. Now, sheep are also very social animals. They stick together most of the time. They stay in their flock. This can be good, but this can also be very bad. Sheep will follow each other to safety, but they'll also follow each other into danger. I read this story about a whole bunch of sheep in uh, Turkey, in the country of Turkey. This happened in 2005. There were, you know, a group of shepherds. They had 1,500 sheep, and they decided to leave them so they could all sit down and go eat together. And when they did, they came back, and they were totally surprised at what had happened to their flock of sheep. One sheep had, de- had decided to just jump off the cliff, and the rest of them followed. 450 sheep died that day as they were the first to jump off the cliff. The other ones, they survived because the first 450 provided the cushion, right? This is a huge lesson for us to be discerning, to be careful who you're following. We don't follow the flock. We follow the shepherd because uh, that's really important for us to understand. You can get so turned sideways when you try to follow people sometimes we got to keep our eyes on the shepherd sheep have very few defenseless so they tend to be afraid of so many things for example you know they're afraid of water they're afraid of water because they can't swim so they need a shepherd to lead them to still waters to drink this is where we see david king david he says that he's the great shepherd right this is in psalm 23 And he says this, he leads me beside still waters. That's where that comes from. Because they're afraid of water and they need still water. That's our great shepherd who does that. Sheep often panic when they're in situations which make them feel helpless or fearful. So they need a shepherd to comfort them. You and I need comfort too when we're feeling helpless and fearful. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Perhaps that's why the Holy Spirit is also called the Comforter. You ever stop to think about that one for a minute? He's called the Comforter. Like sheep, you and I need the constant assurance of Jesus as our shepherd. We need his presence. We need his provision. And we need his protection. All of this is what can provide us the comfort and assurance that we need as Jesus, as our shepherd. Now, sheep are also pretty stubborn. They follow their same old habits. And you know, if you leave sheep for a while, for example, to graze, here's what they're going to do. They're going to graze the same pasture over and over and over again until they've eaten all the grass. They'll eat it all the way down to the root and then they'll ruin the pasture. They'll also sit there and eat bad grass instead of going over to the next pasture and eating good grass. Sheep need their shepherd to move them out of their comfort zone and into other pastures. It's the same thing with us. If we're left alone, we often stay in our comfort zone. 
And we need Jesus as our shepherd to push us out of our comfort zone so that we can grow closer to him and so that we can be more effective for him. Now, my wife just talked to you about Love Week. For some of you, that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, reaching out into the community, showing love to other people because it's comfortable in here, isn't it? It's comfortable in here. You guys get to come in here, get to fix your coffee, you get to put all the stuff in your coffee, sit down. Some of you get to sit on couches and all that. It's comfortable in here. And that's okay. But God wants us to get out of that comfort zone and reach out to other people who need him. And you have that message that you can give to them. So you're going to hear more about Love Week as we get closer. We've got to get out of that comfort zone. Now, sheep are also very loyal and they, they know their shepherd's voice. They're not going to follow anyone else. They know that shepherd's voice. Isaiah 53, 6 says that we are all like sheep because we have gone astray. Sheep can't see very far, so they're prone to wander, and they'll wander all over. And we're just like that without the good shepherd. We wander all over, and we can easily get tangled up into sin. But thank the Lord that we've got a good shepherd who will leave that 99, and he'll go after the one who's lost, and he'll bring him back and restore him, bring him back to safety. Now, Psalms chapter 22 through 24, they're often referred to as the shepherd psalms. Who's heard that before? A couple of you, okay. They're referred to as the shepherd psalms because they describe Jesus as the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. In Psalm 22, we see Jesus as the good shepherd who became the suffering servant who died for his sheep. Now, the good shepherd willingly and humbly laid down his life for his sheep by shedding his blood on the cross. And through this sacrifice, he became our Savior who saved us from the penalty of sin. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. So here in this text, he is described as the great shepherd who gives us all we need to carry out his will through his power that produces every good thing in us that pleases him. And then in Psalm 23, we see Jesus as the great shepherd who provides for our needs, gives us rest, restores and renews our soul. He comforts us and he leads us into all righteousness. He's called the great shepherd because he was resurrected from the dead. His resurrection is what takes him from the good shepherd to the great shepherd. And he now lives for us as his sheep, sanctifying us from the power of sin by conforming us into his image. So we begin with Jesus laying down his life as the good shepherd. And then we see him take back his life through the resurrection as the great shepherd. And next we're going to see him as the chief shepherd. Peter calls Jesus the chief shepherd in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And then in Psalm 24, we see Jesus as the chief shepherd who will one day return to this earth to reign as the king of glory and save us from the presence of sin. Now, our complete salvation is best understood in three phases, past, present, and future. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will one day be saved. 
In each of these three phases, we're going to see the three shepherd roles of Jesus being played out. Now, I know this is tough to grasp, but I want you to stay with me because I'm about to tie it all together, and it is so awesome. You guys ready? (laughs) All right, here we go. This is really cool. As a sinner, when we believe in Jesus as the good shepherd, we are saved from the penalty of sin. We are saved from the penalty of sin. This is called justification. And this is the past part of our salvation. Now, this is the phase that many folks always try to live in, trying to justify themselves before the Lord. But the truth is, we don't work for our justification. We work from our justification. Justification is a complete work of the good shepherd and has nothing to do with our merit or any of our works. We are justified before the Lord God Almighty on the basis of one work. And that work is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. He died for his sheep. That's it. That's the only work that gives us the justification part of our salvation. Now, once we have believed and received Jesus as the good shepherd, we are saved and we are justified before the Lord. And this then becomes part of our past. And now when we look at our present, the here and the now, when we look at that, we then see Jesus as the great shepherd. And he is saving us from the power of sin. You put that in your blank. In the power of sin. He does this by conforming us into his image. This is called sanctification, and this is the present part of our salvation. While justification is about our position in Christ, sanctification is about our condition of becoming like Christ. And one day, when Jesus returns to this earth, we will see him in all his glory as the chief shepherd. As the chief shepherd, he will save us from the presence of sin. And we will receive our new bodies and be just like him. Man, I can't wait for that new body. How many of you got aching and broken down bodies? You need, you're ready for that new one, aren't you? <laughs> Amen. This is called glorification, and it's the future part of our salvation. This phase is all about our expectation of becoming like Christ. So we go from justification, having been saved from the penalty of sin by the good shepherd, past, to sanctification, we are being saved from the power of sin, as by Jesus as the great shepherd, present, to glorification, we will one day be saved from the presence of sin by Jesus as the chief shepherd, future. This is a complete picture of salvation right here. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. Jesus is the good shepherd who gave his life. He is the great shepherd who rose from the dead, and he is the chief shepherd who will one day come again. Hallelujah, amen. Now, as we look back at our text in John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus repeats his fourth I am statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, what's absolutely critical for us to see in this part of the text is the kind of relationship the sheep have with the shepherd. Jesus, as the good shepherd, knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. This is talking about the kind of relationship that the shepherd and the sheep have with each other. Now, I've talked to you guys before about the English word know, right? 
that the Greek word that's substituted for that is actually genosko, and it means to have an intimate, personal, and deep relationship. That's, what that's, that's, what that's what's going on here in the text. And so what is the relationship like between Jesus and his sheep? It's just as special. It's just as wonderful. It's just as amazing. And it's just as intimate as he has with his father. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, and I know the father. That right there ought to blow your minds. The just as in this text ought to blow your minds. Our relationship with Jesus, us being his sheep, and him being our shepherd, and how we know each other is the same kind of relationship that he and the Lord God of heaven and earth have. Wow. This is so worth me stopping and camping on for just a few minutes. This is so worth it. So what is this relationship between Jesus and his father like? And how should that reflect in the relationship that you and I have with Jesus? In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, The Son can do nothing by himself. In other words, he is absolutely dependent upon the Father. And since Jesus said in our text, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, this means we're to have the same kind of relationship with Jesus as Jesus has with his own Father. And Jesus is absolutely dependent upon his Father. The Son can do nothing by himself. Are we dependent upon Jesus like that? Can we say that about our lives? Do we have the kind of dependency here on Jesus like he has with his father? Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 5 verse 19 that he does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. This means that he imitates and he reflects his father. So do we imitate and reflect Jesus? Can we say that what we're only doing is what we see him doing? That whatever he has done or is doing is what we're doing or will do? Jesus has faith in his Father's love. Do we have faith in Jesus' love for us? Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 20, that the Father loves the Son. This is where Jesus gets his confidence from right here. He doesn't put his faith in anyone else to love him. His self-worth is found solely in his father. He doesn't care about anyone else's opinions, only that of his father. So what about you? Where is your confidence? Does it rest solely in the love that Jesus has for you? Does your self-worth come from him? Do you care about the opinions of others, or do you care only for the one who it truly matters? Jesus. Jesus lives to accomplish his wills, his father's will. Do we live to accomplish Jesus's will for our lives? Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 30, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Are we living for the will of Jesus for our lives? Or are we living for our own will? These are tough questions. You see, Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him just as his father knows him and he knows his father. This means our relationship with Jesus should reflect the same relationship he has with his father. Jesus was absolutely dependent upon the father, and so we must be dependent upon him. Jesus imitates and reflects his father, so we must imitate and reflect him. 
Jesus has faith in his Father's love for him, so we must have faith in Jesus' love for us. Jesus lives to accomplish the will of his Father, and so we must live to accomplish the will of Jesus for our lives. Our relationship with Jesus should be just like the relationship he has with his Father. He said, I know my own. My own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. So the next question that we might ask is how do we get this kind of relationship? Now, we just established how close that relationship is, but you, know, you might be wondering in your seat, what about me? How do, I, how do I get that? How do I get that kind of a relationship? Well, Jesus makes it very clear what you and I must do to have this kind of relationship. He does that in the next part of our text. He says this in John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So it's from this text right here that we can derive three things that will lead to the kind of relationship that Jesus desires to have with us. Number one, his sheep hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. Now there are a lot of voices that we can listen to in this world, aren't there? There are voices that are seemingly shouting at us all the time. Some of these voices are of pleasure that come from our own selfish desires. Some of these voices are from the enemy who comes to tempt us. Some of these voices come from what we allow ourselves to be occupied by through our entertainment. And some of these voices are from other people who really aren't that good of an influence on us. And sometimes these voices aren't necessarily shouting at us. Sometimes these voices are simply whispering to us. But in the midst, in the chaos of all these voices in this noisy world, there's really only one voice that truly matters. There's only one voice that we should be consistently hearing, and that voice is the voice of the Good Shepherd. How noisy is your world, and how are you hearing his voice? We have to tune in to the the only voice that matters, the only voice who truly loves, the only voice who truly cares, and the only voice who truly saves. Jesus is the good shepherd. Hear his voice. Number two, second thing that we need to do is we need to know him personally. To know Jesus is to love Jesus. Because when you truly know him, you will love him. And when you love him, this is going to lead to you obeying him. You see, being a Christian, it isn't about rules. It's all about that relationship. And when you have this relationship with Jesus like this, it turns all of these I have tos into I want tos. You no longer, I have to do this, I have to do that. It turns it it all around. I now want to do these things. Because your relationship now is based on love. You obey because you love. You don't obey to be loved. You obey because you love. You obey because you want to please the good shepherd. This relationship starts with believing in him as the Savior. This is where it starts. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This relationship also starts with believing that Jesus died to save us from our sins. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. 
by his wounds you were healed. Because he died to save us from sin, we should have a new relationship with sin. It should no longer be what we practice. We should no longer be comfortable in it. In fact, we die to sin and now we live for what is right. We no longer live to satisfy our own selfish desires. We live to satisfy our shepherd, not on the basis of what we have done, but solely on the basis of what he has done for us. And when we trust Jesus as our shepherd, we become part of his family. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who believed in him and accepted him, other translations would use the word received, So to all who believed him and received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's becoming part of his family. So to get to know Jesus, we've got to do what you do in any meaningful relationship. You've got to spend time with him. And the more time you spend with him, the more you will know him. And the more that you know him, the more that you'll love him. And the more that you love him, the more that you will obey him. Knowing, loving, and obeying him are all intricately linked. They are. So to have this relationship that Jesus desires to have with us, we first hear his voice. We second, know him personally. And third, we follow him completely. We follow him completely. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. To have the relationship Jesus desires to have with us, we must follow him completely. Jesus followed his father completely. In fact, following him is what led him to lay down his life. And he laid down his life for his sheep. That's following him completely. And that's exactly what Jesus expects from us. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. To follow Jesus, we first have to deny ourselves. This means that we put Jesus ahead of everything in our lives. He becomes first because he deserves to be first. And we must take up our cross every day. This is a picture of you and I dying to ourselves every day and submitting ourselves to Jesus as our shepherd by living for him. We don't try to hang on to our own lives. We give them up to fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for us. To follow him completely can be difficult because of the temptation to wander off on our own like sheep are prone to do. That temptation is always there. Now, I want to... I want you to see this video that I'm about to show you because it beautifully captures how many of us wander right back into the old things that we've been rescued from. Now, there's no sound in this video. just want you to watch it, okay? There's a boy pulling a sheep out of this ditch by his hind legs. Watch what happens as soon as he gets them out of the ditch. Yep, here I go. I'm free until I'm not free. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? The kids just stand there baffled, like, what happened? Why did he do that? There it is in slow motion. I'm jumping right back into that ditch again. 
Now, we laugh at this sheep jumping right back into the ditch that the boy rescued him from. But really and truly, that's you. That's me. We all do that at times, don't we? We can be so stubborn and so stupid to jump right back into the same problem or the same sin that our wonderful shepherd has rescued us from. Shepherds in Jesus' day, they always led their sheep from the front. They never drove the sheep from behind like we see in the Western world. They always drove them from the front. And so from the front, the sheep need only to follow their shepherd to enjoy his presence, to enjoy his provision and enjoy his protection. Follow the shepherd and follow him completely. That's how you and I can avoid the ditches in life, is following him. And thank the Lord that we have a shepherd who loves and cares for us. He cares for his sheep. Scripture says that he knows each of his sheep by name. And when he calls them, they hear his voice and they follow him because they know his voice. They don't follow strangers because they don't know the voice of strangers. Whose voice are you following today? Whose voice are you following today? The good shepherd desires to have a relationship with you. And it doesn't matter how far that you have wandered or how many ditches you've been in or even if you're in a ditch right now. He knows you by name. And he's calling for you today. Let me tell you about how much he loves you. I'm not going to do it in my words. I'm going to do it in the words of the good shepherd. Because his words are where the power is. I want you to listen to these words that he told this in a parable of the lost sheep. In Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7. These are the words of Jesus. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Are you that sheep today? Are you wandering around lost and needing purpose? Turn to the good shepherd. He loves you and he laid down his life for you. That is what makes him the good shepherd. Jesus willingly went to the cross to pay for all of our sins. He laid down his life for his sheep. That means he laid down his life for you and for me and he desires to have a relationship with you what kind of relationship do you want with him do you hear his voice do you know him personally and are you following him completely it's not enough to know about him he wants you to know him and to follow him sheep follow their shepherd when you know him and follow him he will give you eternal life And he also says that no one can snatch you from his hand. No one means no one. He's that powerful. He's that loving. He's that good of a shepherd. When we believe in Jesus as the good shepherd, we are saved from the penalty of sin. When we see Jesus as the great shepherd, we are saved from the power of sin. And someday, when Jesus comes again, we will see him as the chief shepherd and he will save us from the presence of sin. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He is also the great shepherd. 
and he is the chief shepherd. So the real question today is this, is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. For the word of God that convicts us, the word of God that encourages us, the word of God that gives us hope. And we thank you today, Lord, that you are a mighty God. You're the shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd. You're all of that and more. I pray for that sheep today that may be wandering around and doesn't know you or maybe has known you but just wandered off the path. I know by the love that you have, by the truth of your word, that you'll go after that sheep. And if that's you today and you want to get back into that flock, you want to get back into the voice of the shepherd, I just ask that you raise your hand so I can pray for you today. Anyone here want to make Jesus the Lord of their life today? Others of you, as you keep praying, recognize that you're like that sheep that was on the video. At times you can see where God's providence has rescued you from sin or from some big problem and then you're so quick to jump right back into it again. We know by the faithfulness of God's word that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if that's you today, just know that the shepherd loves you. And he'll forgive you if you confess your sins. If you repent and turn to him, you saw from the word of God just how the joy and the celebration that goes on when there's one sheep who turns to him. So I just pray right now, Father, that you take this message and you make it real in our lives. That we'll learn to hear your voice. That we'll learn to know you personally and then to follow you completely. And we'll thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.